we are here with episode 16 of Lessons and Lattes. Super excited to have Miss Jenny with us today. And I'm going to go ahead and let her give a brief who she is and um, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I know it's your Hi. first podcast, so congratulations. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. So, sorry, I cut you t- completely cut you off as you were introducing yourself, so I will be quiet for a second. Oh, sure. My name is Jenny Angel, and I'm in New York, and I have two young daughters, Kimberly, who is a year and a half, and she's named after a book character, as well as Willow, who is four. So, I'm guessing that you're into English and literacy then. And what drew you into English or literacy or books? Or do you have like a fun kind of story around that? Or has it just always been your passion? That's a really great, great question. Um, growing up, I had a difficult time reading, which is not something you would expect from a reading teacher today. Uh, my mother essentially raised my brothers and me on her own. And she worked a lot to support our family and struggled with finding the time to read to us when we were children. We always loved school and really enjoyed the concept of getting lost in a book. I know for me in particular, that was always my passion. And I tried to read as much as I could when I was younger, but I had difficulty maintaining reading stamina and understanding what I was reading. So by the time I entered my college years, I actually required some reading remediation. And at that point in my life, I had taken a pledge to face those challenges that I had when I was younger. So I decided to not only learn how to read myself, to inspire others to learn as well. That is amazing. And I'm sure like having struggled with reading, you kind of have a different insight maybe than just kind of your regular old book nerd that like, you know, it came easy and natural. I'm sure you have some like maybe unique insights um, to learning how to read and struggling with the reading process. Absolutely. And I'm sure that benefits you. Sorry, you don't like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I find that even now, you know, I, I tend to be a little bit of a connection with them because I had trouble reading when I was younger too. So I understand, you know, the levels of frustration and where they're coming from. And when I tell people the story of what life was like for me as a child struggling to read, you know, it's not something that they really expect to hear from me, you know, somebody who's very successful in reading today. That's a great like turnaround story, though. I mean, it's so great that one that you were able to face your fear and your challenges and to then turn around and empower youth that kind of struggle with the same thing. Exactly. So I am super, super excited to talk about your current position. And also, um, I know through the Twitter messaging that we had talked a, a little bit briefly about um, the program that you run, and I am very excited to dive into that. Oh, great. It, it's, it's such an exciting program. So I'm a teacher on Long Island in New York, and I teach students in what's called a literacy lab. 
A literacy lab is a very special place where students come to learn comprehension skills and strategies. Um, as I said before, that's something I really did have trouble with when I was younger. And I have about 470 students. Wow. So that's, yeah, it's a huge impact. So that is eighth and fourth grade. And my students cycle to me every week. So I'm essentially considered a special area teacher. So my students vary in age and ability. And I keep using the word I, but to be entirely truthful, I do work with an amazing teacher's assistant who works part-time in the literacy lab with me. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to imagine, one, what this space looks like. But two, like, what is a literacy lab? Is it like a resource room where they only come and work on reading strategies? Is it, I don't know, I have so many visions going through my mind right now. Can you kind of give us like a visual maybe description of what your workspace looks like? So a literacy lab is like a special, like a prep for a teacher. So we have gym, music, art, and literacy is a is another special that students cycle through. So I get almost the whole school coming to me for an additional little extra reading, you know. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about what I do is that um, it's there's just so many things that I, I can just have so much freedom. There's so many things that I get to do that teachers might not be able to do in the classroom day. So it's a special, essentially. Interesting. I really love that they're taking that time and dedicating it to reading, to reading strategies um, in addition to their English class, right? Or their English time? In addition to the reading block that they already have. Yeah. And so you, like... So I'm just trying to picture this because it's so foreign. I'm, you know, on the opposite end of the coast than you. And I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Like, it sounds so magical for one. But I'm, so you have the whole student population kind of cycling in and out all day, right? You have your gen ed kids, your special ed kids. Everybody right. comes to you and get, and no matter where they are, you um, meet their needs and try to improve their current levels, right? Correct. It's a lot of it is exposure because I do see them once a week. But you know, you can only imagine the benefits of, of having this type of program for the student population. You know, if I'm working on main idea, you know, if for kindergartners, it might not be of something they've heard before, and then later on in the year they might mention main idea. And a lot of times that happens, and they already have been exposed to it, and now they're able to build upon what they've been exposed to. That's so awesome. Like, I'm just sitting here like, that's my dream job. And like this, like, awe is going on. <laughs> so, I mean, just data-wise, has your school or the district, I know, you know, all that, but like, have they done data comparing the literacy lab benefits um, of having one and not having one? That is a really good question. The Literacy Lab started a little bit less than a decade ago, and I don't know if they've actually seen our data to show the, the amount of growth, but, you know, I can speak on behalf of my own classroom and testimonials from students and teachers. 
I've seen grown in my classroom and the teachers have referenced conversations that they've had with their students in terms of, um, oh, we learned that in the literacy lab, like those kinds of conversations or they're taking out more books at the library based upon what they're, they've been exposed to with you. Nice. So it's amazing in terms of like the sense of community that it's created just in our own classroom. Like I can't even imagine the kinds of data that would come out of having it versus not having it. Yeah, I, I can just think of all these, like, I'm going through, like, my mind is just, like, kind of overwhelmed with, like, the thought of it, but also, like, all the benefits, you know, and I know, I think you'd mentioned that it's pretty unique, right? Like, is it the only program or one of the few programs that exists? So, the Literacy Center program was built uh, from the ground up by a team of in-district teachers about eight years ago. So prior to obtaining this position, I'd actually never heard of a literacy as a special area. So the Literacy Center is an incredible asset to the school and the school community um, and the, the local community as well. And it's a program that is certainly unique in our district and it's been well received over the years. And you know, I think that it would be remarkable if it were at every district, but it's the only district I know um, that has this. So even though you're all the way on another coast, it's not something that is commonplace here. Yeah, it's definitely not. And that's one of the reasons I definitely wanted to have you on at least my podcast because I cater more towards special ed teachers. But um, just this idea is pretty cool. Like I have never heard of it before. Um, and just kind of like all that power you hold. Like I kind of think you look like as the sorceress or this magician almost. And <laughs> so in, like, I know you can only speak of like through your opinion, but like what in your mindset, in your student interactions and your teacher interactions, what makes this work? I mean, yes, it's a dedicated time um, in addition to the English, but what about those kids that hate English and are disengaged? Um, are you, is it that extra time that you're seeing? Is it a different approach? Like what makes it work? Like what makes it so successful? I think that it's things that you said, you know, it's kind of, it's definitely a combination. Um, there are just so many things that I love about my job. It is definitely a dream job. And I feel so fortunate to be able to share my passion for reading with my students. And one thing that I love about what I do is I get to provide students with community experiences that not just supplement what happens in the classroom, but enhances what teachers do on a daily basis. So we teach students about, you know, just some examples um, about different fairy tales. So with the younger students, uh, we teach the common versions of fairy tales and the more authentic versions of older ones. And that's not something that teachers get to do all of the time, you know, with, with testing and all this stuff that we have to kind of deal with as a classroom teacher. We conduct a lot of group work where students analyze text and rationalize their thinking with evidence. We integrate accountable talk into our discussions and try to challenge the thinking of our students. Feel that providing a rationale for what you're thinking is an, is, is an integral part of what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of creative freedom where we work. 
So we've added visual learning tools and poetry writing into the curriculum, not just reading comprehension. We've also incorporated poetry writing. Um, and this freedom has allowed us to introduce students to lessons that include more creative forms of expression, like tabletop Twitter and democracies. So it really, when I say it's a dream job, it is a dream. It, it really is. It sounds amazing. I love um, all the things that you're able to integrate into the curriculum and even reading. Um, I don't want to say like other texts necessarily, but texts that the students aren't um, exposed to like every 10th grade year. Like you get to kind of pull in some of those other texts, which is kind of fun, I think. Absolutely. And it's the beginning of the year, which is such a great, magical time. And I get to see the, the teen kids kind of grow up through the years and to see their preferences change as well. So whereas in the past they were really into the grim fairy tales, you know, things that are a little hokey and scary. So that was like the preference last year and the, it seems like through polling this year and surveying this year, they are gravitating toward more graphic novels. So I have the freedom to kind of pull from wherever they're at, and it certainly helps me. Uh, so then when you're doing your lessons, um, you're able to, like, I'm just, I don't know, I'm stuck in the high school mindset right now, but like Romeo and Juliet, I know there's different versions of it. Are you able to pull in like the graphic novel version or this version to kind of be able to tie towards a particular group of students' um, interests and or um, needs? Absolutely. There's really so much nice. freedom. I'm, given, I'm essentially given a open sequence, and I can pull in whatever text the students are interested in or what they seem to gravitate towards. So last year, we were kind of interested in things that were a little more scary. So the Grimm's Fairy Tales definitely, you know, fell into that category. But if they're interested in graphic novels in a certain class, I can go that route as well. Or if they're interested So awesome. And what formats do you use to introduce them to new books? Is it like a group read aloud? Is it a book tasting? Is it, I know there's so many out there. We do interactive read alouds, but we also, you know, set out books at certain tables, very similar to a book tasting, so that they can kind of get an idea of what they might be interested in reading or what they might be interested out at the library as well. So we kind of do like a combination of, of different things. We use online books as well. Sometimes it's wonderful to hear somebody else reading and, and that's something I know you're looking to maybe roll out a little bit more even having maybe me reading a book um, on the computer and having students be able to listen to it from home. You know, we're finding that that might be a beneficial addition to 
to the program, you know, on a, on a school-wide level. Nice. It's so cool that you're able to also integrate elements that are user-friendly user at home as well. So they can kind of take it home and, you know, have literacy at home as well. Because I know sometimes that's kind of like the drop-off schools over and then they don't have access to um, things anymore. Absolutely. So... One of the questions, I know I didn't prepare you, so please forgive me, that I had as you were talking about the program and talking about the community was, do you guys, or is part of the Literacy Lab, part of the Literacy Experience, um, community outreach as well? Well, that is something I'm looking into integrating more into the program. So this particular year coming up, I was, you know, thinking about how we were running you know, for my particular for my particular school, because there's more than just me, it's all of the elementary school. But in my particular school, I was, I was thinking about how much my students love writing poetry last year, and I'm like, it would be amazing if they could perform what they wrote. So they really spend a lot of time on it. It's, it's about a month, so for them, it's about four, you know, four days of work since I see them once a week. And, you know, and it, it, they're just so crowded. Like, how can I, how can I reach the community? How can I reach their families? And I was thinking about maybe making a poetry coffee house. So I put out, you know, kind of a, a wish on Class Yojo for poetry and coffee house, and it got funded. So I'd love for the parents to come in to hear their children perform their poetry and I was telling them about it today like maybe great because they're all black and you got to perform the, the work that you work so hard hard on and they're very excited about it. So that's something that I'm definitely in the process of doing and changing is is adding more um people in to see all of the great things that we do. Another project that I had funded recently is uh, where students get to write books and the books can be put out into the community. It hasn't been totally thought out in my mind, but I thought it would be such a great asset for the community to see all of, again, all of the wonderful things that we do in the literacy lab and maybe even learn a little bit of something from the students that would be writing these books. So you can drop them off at, you know, local coffee shops there as well for that's so awesome I was thinking back I think I was in second or third grade and my teacher was very interested in writing and had found a writing contest and had us all create our own books like I mean they were nowhere near like what they are today like where you can get the pre-bound um, books and stuff like that but I was thinking back to that and it was such a great it was such a fun experience when um to write I love to write but I mean to write a book in like second or third grade because you know that's kind of unheard of and then two to be entered in those contests but I think back and like she had all of our books in the library and just how special that was to go and take you know someone else's book and read their story was really really cool so I'm like definitely plugging for that project. I love the idea of that. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly what 
the kids are going to want to write about because at, at the end of the day, it should come from them. So I haven't queried them about what they would be interested in their book actually being quite yet because we're only on the second day of school. Right. But I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the project unfold and, and seeing the kind of feedback we get from students and parents other teachers and community members about the books that they're going to write. And I think it's really motivational for them too, just like your experience. It's something that is really going to last with them. And they can hold with them, I think, a, like a positive something to anchor to with their school experience, which is always a good thing. And I hope that you um, definitely share on Twitter if you can, um, either pictures or their actual projects. That would be really cool as well. <laughs> and then um, just kind of informally, I know um, you see kind of the whole spectrum of students at the elementary level, but what... Um, what benefits have you seen with your SPED kids or kids that are on an IEP or 504 with the Literacy Lab? So I see all types of students in different ages, abilities, um, in some cases classifications. But, you know, a lot of what I do benefits everybody regardless of, you know, any type of classifications. Um, so in my classroom, we have some routines in place that benefit you know, all students. So students are provided with all of the supplies that they need for each class and they don't have to carry supplies with them. Nice. The supplies are located in bins that are on each table. So the students don't need to hunt for any kind of supplies and they're just made available to them. How they attain and return their supplies requires a level of organization, but it is a routine that is put into place from the very first day they visit. Additional materials are at the disposal of the students. So we use signal example to annotate any tag that we have. We have different sizes and colors, you know, basically whatever they prefer. We use highlighters, crayons, and different colored pens, a color code, any kind of text evidence. Uh, we make available graphic organizers, paragraph frames, sentence frames, you know, checklists, all of that for writing if, if they should choose to use that. They don't have to do, but if they need it, it's made available to them and they're they're um, informed that it is available and what might be appropriate for whatever we're doing. Um, all students are provided with success criteria and a rubric harder to start making any activity. So we found that when students are presented with these things, that they really try to meet or exceed our expectations. Nice. This is regardless of any of any um, type of weaknesses. That even students that might struggle, they say, "Oh, I I really want to get a four on this project," and they really try their very best to get there. Um, we find that building positive relationships with our students around literature is an essential component of everything that we do. So when students, you know come into our room and when we share our own excitement for reading, that our students feel comfortable sharing their excitement too. Nice. And what formats, like, sorry, I know, again, I didn't prepare for how you thought, but like, what formats do you use to share your excitement for literacy? Is it like a conversation? Do you have a display? Um, how do you go about that? We do a little bit of everything again. So, Today, for example, 
I was having a conversation. They were they were choosing their favorite book to basically you know put on a piece of paper essentially just so that I can assess where they are academically and I can see what their favorite books are and what their preferences are and then we start a conversation. So at the end we kind of had a share out who would like to share what their favorite book is, maybe something new, maybe something they're interested in a little bit, but they'd like to know more about, maybe something they want to, to tell me to read, something that they recommend. Nice. So, you know, it's such a great conversation to have because I, even though I'm a reading teacher and, and I went to school for English and all this wonderful stuff, there are still children's books that I'm not fully aware of. So they, you know, they, they see that I'm excited in what they have to say, and then they get excited too. And that was definitely something that came out today. This one book was, this one student was talking about this book, and she's like, you have to read this book. And he said, well, why do I have to read this book? And it's a whole class conversation. So somebody else jumps in, oh, I read that too, and that book's by this person, you should check out this book. And we're talking very young students. I teach K to fourth grade. So, you know, these are conversations that even younger children are able to have because they're so excited about what they're reading. And that's so awesome. Like, even that initial, like, the initial excitement, sustaining that excitement, I know, like, especially, um, I can say from experience, getting boys excited about reading is very, very difficult. But I'm... Again, just that whole like time set aside and it just sounds like you have a lot of energy and excitement and passion. And I'm sure that your students really appreciate that. Thank you. And I can't believe we've been talking about literacy for almost 30 minutes now. <laughs> and super excited again to have you on and that you're sharing your energy, your passion and your drive and also kind of this novel idea of a literacy lab and the benefits it has for all students. Thank you so, so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. For all my health nuts out there, here's an iced vanilla latte recipe for you to enjoy. Most people avoid making their own coffee at home because they think it will take a lot of work. Others fear that it will never stand up to the delight that you receive from like Starbucks or Pete's. So a vanilla latte only requires three ingredients and you can adjust the calorie level or even make it dairy free by choosing a different milk alternative or avoiding sugar and calories with a sugar-free vanilla syrup. In just 10 minutes, you'll have your own iced vanilla latte with half a cup of vanilla syrup, half a cup of the coffee, one cup milk or cream, and one cup ice. All you have to do is mix it all together and pour it over ice and enjoy.